You're listening to the Plano Pulse, a Plano Chamber podcast keeping you in tune with the heartbeat of the local business community. It's time for the Plano Pulse. We here at the Plano Chamber are working hard on our 2021 events now. We would love to partner with you as a sponsor, buy virtual tables for your employees, and many other ways. We'd love to connect with you and get you more information on how you can partner with us on these great events. Find out more at planochamber.org or contact any Plano Chamber staff. Thank you for joining us for Plano Pulse. I'm Kelly Marcellus, President and CEO of the Plano Chamber. And I'm Steve McSwain uh, with Art of Travel, the 2021 Board Chair of the Plano Chamber of Commerce. Steve, I'm so excited about today's guests because this facility that they represent holds a very special place in my heart. And for those of you that know me that are listening, in 2017, um, my husband and I actually became foster parents. And in the years that followed, we brought four different children through the doors of the Reese Jones Center for Foster Care Excellence at Children's Health. And the experience with this facility was just amazing for our family. Um, and I'm, I'm always quick to let people know what um, maybe a hidden gem, but definitely a gem and an exciting um, service in our community that Children's Health provides. So today we are joined by Dr. Hilda Loria and Dr. Laura Laminen. In addition to serving as the medical director for the Reese Jones Center, Dr. Loria is also an assistant professor of pediatrics at UT Southwestern Medical Center. She graduated from Baylor College of Medicine, and I won't hold that against her since Baylor just beat my team, (laughs) um, and completed her residency in pediatrics at the University of Texas Health Science Center. Dr. Loria is a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics, Texas Pediatric Society, and the Academic Pediatric Association. Joining her, Dr. Laura Laminen is a board-certified pediatric psychologist at Reese Jones Center for Foster Care Excellence. She pursued her education at the University of Kentucky and is a member of the American Psychological Association and the Texas Psychological Association. Dr. Loria, Dr. Laminen, thank you so much for joining us today on Plano Pulse. Thanks so much. We're happy to be here. Hello, doctors, and welcome to the podcast. Um, Could you tell us a little bit more about the Reese Jones Center for Foster Care Excellence and how it got started at Children's Health, as well as uh, your individual roles there? Sure. So we are an integrated primary care center serving children in foster care and kinship care. Um, Our clinics are integrated with both medical and mental health providers who work together to care for a child. Um, So the American Academy of Pediatrics views children in foster care as being a special population with special health and mental health needs. Um, And our center provides care from clinicians who specialize in trauma and also just understand the foster care system. Um, In addition to providing pediatric care, we also offer more traditional psychiatry services and more traditional yet focused mental health treatments for trauma, behavior management, and mental health needs. So my role as a psychologist is to work with Dr. Loria in in a visit. We go in together at the same time, and I'm assessing for more mental health-related needs, and she's assessing for more than medical needs. And I'll add, Stephen Kelly, uh, the center began initially, actually back in the mid-1980s, as an extension of the Child Abuse and Neglect Clinic here at Children's. And then in 2009, foster care became an independent service from the Child Abuse Clinic to provide what we call a medical home, which is a dedicated primary care pediatric clinic for kids in foster care. And then in 2013, Children's established the Reese Jones Center through the generous support of the Reese Jones Foundation. 
and the Reese Jones family um, to create the Reese Jones Center, of which we have a site in Dallas, and then we also have a site at Children's in Plano. Um, and it was created because we know that that kids in foster and kinship care have really unique health needs that can't be managed in a typical 15 or 20 minute visit in a pediatric clinic. And so our goal is to improve the health outcomes of kids who are involved with child welfare through not just clinical care, but advocacy, research, and collaboration. That's awesome. So you you touched on this a little bit, but what I know when I came through the clinic, I had little bitty, you know, very, very tiny children. But um, what ages do you support in the clinic? And can you get into a little bit more detail and what qualifies someone to be served by your clinic? Sure, Kelly. Yeah. So we see kids from birth all the way up through 18, um, sometimes a year or two after that, <laughs> depending on uh, how we can transition our young adults into an adult medicine practice. The only qualification per se to be seen in our clinic is that the child has to be involved in the child welfare system. So they're in CPS custody and they're either under the care of a foster parent or a foster family, a kinship caregiver or a family, so like a grandparent, an aunt or uncle or a family friend, or they're in some temporary congregate care setting like a group home or a shelter. And then like Dr. Laminen mentioned in the beginning, the goal of our clinic is to really provide that whole person care for the child to not just address their medical needs, but to address the behavioral, developmental, and mental health needs that so many of our kids um, develop because of their experiences of, of childhood trauma. In terms of our mental health related services, so we have a whole, in addition to the integrated care, we have a whole line of more traditional mental health services. So we do have a psychiatrist on staff. We're very lucky to have a psychiatrist on staff. Um, and then also to um, several clinical therapists, uh, a couple psychologists. Um, and then we also have early childhood specialists who focus on early childhood development. And to be able to be seen in our in our center for the mental health related services and the early childhood services, they would just need to be seen um, for uh, in the larger center for their pediatric care. Great, very insightful. So this is a question for both doctors. Um, so going through the uh, medical education process, how did you uh, decide that you wanted to serve the foster care community as physicians versus traditional uh, you know, medical care? Yeah, Steve. So um, it was a little happenstance for me. Uh, so for me as a pediatrician, I always just felt a special connection to kids and families. Um, and as I was going through my training, I just really found a lot of meaning and purpose in serving children who have experienced childhood trauma. And that ranged from you know, children experiencing poverty, children in immigrant families, children in foster care. And so when I was, you know, had to be a grown up doctor and figure out what I wanted to do with my life, the opportunity really came up here. I did my fellowship training at UT Southwestern and the opportunity came to join faculty here at, at UT Southwestern and work at the Reese Jones Center. So the foster care clinic was just this amazing opportunity that merged not just my my clinical interests, but also my passion for advocacy and public health for for really vulnerable child populations. So so for me, it, it was about really finding purpose and meaning in the everyday work that I'm doing. 
And I echo that as well, like what, what Dr. Lori was saying. Um, for me, I actually had a little bit of a different path. Um, I was a teacher in my first career. Um, I taught middle school and I taught in a school where kids experienced a lot of trauma. I didn't understand the trauma at the time, and I, I would make so many changes if I were to go back now, but um, many of the kids I worked with were in foster care or weren't, had been in the system. When I went into my doctoral program, it's interesting because trauma's kind of always followed me. I, I don't think I intentionally sought it out, but and maybe I, it was a subconscious thing, I don't know. Um, but I did receive really focused trauma training in my doctoral program. Um, and when I learned about this clinic and this, what this clinic was doing, it really um, was a really natural fit for me. And I, I really have, you know, I have a passion for this population and, and a love for working with kiddos who, who don't necessarily um, have the same supports that, that many of us have. And so um, it's a great privilege to be able to work here. It's so interesting that you say that you would make different choices. I've, I, I, have a three-year-old now. And I, I always joke the training that I went through before we had, um, you know, our, our child that we have full time with our, the foster care training. I was like, I think every parent needs to go through this training because I learned so much about trauma and about how things impact them and about medications. And, um, you know, a lot of that came through meetings with the, you know, uh, physicians at the clinic. So I, I so appreciate that, but it is such a interesting path. So thank you both for what you do professionally and serving the community. I've, I've mentioned a few times the experience I had, and I can say that foster care is on the foster parent side, it is difficult. It's very rewarding, but it is, it's not always easy. And the medical requirements alone, I found, could be very intimidating. Um, when I first learned about medication tracking and all of that, I was a little like, whoa, you want me to do what here? The, the Reese Jones Center made it so easy and was so helpful. Um, and so the customer service alone, beyond just the care for the patients, is so great. What would you say is the most important part of the work that you guys do? Thanks for those kind words, Kelly. That that means a lot to us. I would say it's the trauma-informed care piece of what we do. So we focus on how the child's experience of trauma, whether that was abuse or neglect or something traumatic that happened within the family, that impacts their physical health, mental health, and their development. And so everything that we do from the moment the kid and the caregiver comes to our clinic until they move or transition away from our clinic, we really center that around trauma-informed care. And the way that I that I teach our, our medical students and residents and trainees about thinking about trauma-informed care is you know, in medicine, we're really focused on on fixing the problem, right? And thinking about patients as problems. And so we tend to ask, like, what is wrong with you? But for trauma-informed care, we need to shift that perspective a little bit and, and ask instead, like, what happened to you and how has that been impacting your health? And so for us in our clinic, we really take that into consideration because it, it impacts our kids so much and, and our caregivers so we screen for those symptoms, we provide trauma-focused therapies, we collaborate with the child welfare system and the community that's supporting the child. And what we hope to do is empower the, the child as they go through the system and recover and grow up to be adults, as well as their families, so that we're all sort of taking care of each other as a, as a larger community. 
Yeah, and I, I agree with that completely. The trauma-informed care is a huge part. And out of that, and both of you mentioned this, the, the care coordination, I think that's a really unique component. We have kind of, a lot of places have care coordination, but we have it kind of extra, if that makes sense. So we actually have a CPS liaison. So a person who's employed by CPS and housed in our clinic. So we know information about our kiddos before they walk in the door. Um, we can get psychological evaluations. We can get medical records. Um, and our nurse coordination team is is stellar. They are all really, you know, glue for us as clinicians um, and help help us us function better and, and go in with more knowledge and, and to be able to be more helpful. Um, if the, we can advocate as well. And I think that's a, another huge, huge aspect of, of what we do. You know, just having that information, I think, makes us as clinicians just so, so lucky to be able to, to provide the level of care that we provide. You're right. I, I remember coming in for the first time and you guys had more information on the child I had with me than I did. And I was like, this is amazing. I mean, usually, you know, when I your experience of going into a new doctor, or a new clinic, you have to tell them everything. And so um, that was that was definitely helpful. Well, we'll be right back after a short break to learn more about the amazing work being done by the team at Reese Jones Center for Foster Care Excellence, including their academic and research program. Stay tuned for more Plano Pulse featuring Dr. Hilda Loria and Dr. Laura Laminen. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining the Plano Pulse podcast today. Please be patient with us, and you may hear a few imperfections as we record virtually. We look forward to getting back to recording in person soon. Enjoy! Welcome back to Plano Pulse. We're joined today by Dr. Hilda Loria and Dr. Laura Laminen with the Reese Jones Center for Foster Care Excellence at Children's Health. Thanks for being here today, both doctors. It's our pleasure. Thank you. So we, we talked about this briefly earlier. I think, Dr. Loria, you mentioned it, but Children's Health has two foster care clinics here in our region with one at the Dallas campus and one here in Plano. Can you tell us if there's any difference between the two sites or how they may be similar or different? Yeah, so so uh, hopefully anyone who goes to our Dallas clinic or our Plano clinic will get a very similar experience. Um, we're both set up to provide the integrated primary care. We're both set up with psychiatry. We're both set up with more focused mental health treatments and services as well. Um, you know, both of our teams have very highly skilled and trained clinicians in trauma-informed care, trauma treatment. Um, and uh, the really, I think the main differences are just the space size. Um, if you have been to our Plano campus, it's a beautiful space, but it's small. Um, and our Dallas campus is about almost double the size of our Plano campus. So Dallas was kind of set up to serve as the anchor site with our center administration. So it includes like our policy and research program. So there we have a little extra space and then the clinic itself is a little larger. But but Plano also is uh, it has its own, I think, unique personality. And and I personally love going to Plano. I, I split my time between the two campuses and uh, it's um a very, um, I don't know, the experience up there is very personalized. Um, I, Dallas feels a little more um, professional and in, in that it's, I don't know, the, the environment's just a little bit different. Plano, it's like you see your old buddy whenever you go there. And uh, the team is really close-knit in both campuses. But in Dallas, they have a, a really great group. And maybe because of space, they have to share space and, and accommodate space with each other a lot more closely than we do in Dallas. I think they're both very um, fun, you know, environments. When you walk, I know, do you guys still have the space the, the night sky ceiling in Plano at the Plano clinic. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's kind of one of those things. Like I expect someone to jump out with a red nose or something, which I know doesn't happen, but it's, it's just fun and inviting. And I think the kids really like it. 
Yeah, designing the space, I think, was probably the most fun for our team because we really got to, you know, we got to take elements that were in the hospital system. And, um, you know, we we saw the twinkly lights in our butterfly atrium in Dallas and we we're like, we want that in Plano. We wanted the nature and the trees. We wanted an environment that was really welcoming for the kids um, because they don't always, you know, it, it, an office, a medical office can be very sterile. And we didn't want that. And if you'll also see when you walk in our center, we have the, the four different trees representing the four different seasons. And the idea behind that was a typically a child, give or take a few months, is typically in care for about a year. Um, and so that is kind of representative of that. That's awesome. Great information. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit more about the operational part of it? Like, for instance, I don't know how you measure it, if it's number of patients you see daily or annually. And do you have any plans on expanding? Uh, you said Plano is a little bit smaller, expanding that operation and or adding additional locations. Sure, Steve. Yeah. So in Plano this year, we've seen close to about 900 children um, and over 3,600 visits. Um, Dallas matches around the same. So this year, we're probably going to see somewhere at the end of this year, somewhere between 1,800 to probably 2,000 unique children here in the DFW area, um, which has been our trend over the last couple of years. Um, we certainly hope to expand our services in the future. And, and what that looks like right now, we're, we're still sort of thinking, how do we do that strategically in a meaningful way? Um, and so right now, what we've been focused on is really serving the DFW region and the surrounding areas through our Dallas and Plano. And and really beefing up those programs um, so that perhaps we can model them to future locations or sites in the future. So with that expansion thought in mind, how, how is the center funded in addition to the Reese Jones Foundation? Uh, what other funding mechanisms are there? Yeah, great question, Steve. So by far, um, you know, the Reese Jones Foundation, the Reese Jones family have been amazing supporters of our of our clinic. We are predominantly grant funded. And so we have a team, uh, Dr. Joel McLeay is our director of policy advocacy and research. And then Aaron Connor, who's our community development manager, and Laura Losinger, who's our program administrator. I would say they're probably the team that makes our <laughs> make sure that our clinic is is running. While Dr. Lowen and I try to handle the the clinical aspect of uh, clinical and education aspect of our of our center. So we have received funding through other philanthropic families and organizations within. The community. We get support from Children's uh, and the Children's Foundation. And then UT Southwestern as our academic anchor also provides some support to our to help our clinic run with, with operations. Well, we talked a lot about the clinical side of your operation, but I know you also have an academic program that identifies, um, I think as I read, it says cutting edge interventions to improve outcomes and reduce impact of abuse and neglect. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about the academic or research side of your work? Absolutely, Kelly. So as I mentioned, we partner quite a bit with UT Southwestern. So in addition to our clinical care, our mission includes improving the health outcomes of children involved with the child welfare system through education, training, and research. So through our training programs, we really hope to develop healthcare leaders and child advocates who are ready to provide care for vulnerable child populations like children in foster care or kinship care. And so for me in particular, I 
help to train and hopefully inspire <laughs> some med students, residents, and fellows who are training to become pediatricians, subspecialists, um, and psychiatrists. Dr. Masin Khan, who's our psychiatrist also within our center, he takes on residents and students and fellows as well. And then from a research standpoint, we we're, de we're developing an expertise in the delivery of trauma-informed integrated care, which is our health delivery model. We are pretty unique in that we work very collaboratively. We see patients together. It's a very unique model, not just in pediatrics care, but certainly for children in, in foster kinship care. And so the work that we've focused on recently in terms of scientific and policy work and publications have really focused on the delivery of our model, um, the care, for example, of infants with prenatal drug exposure and how how our model helps those kiddos and their families. Uh, we last year published a white paper on the impact of COVID on the care of foster kinship and um, children in congregate care. That was, COVID was a tough time for, for all of us, but was also an additional potentially traumatic experience for a lot of our kids and families. Yeah, and it, from our mental health perspective, we train doctoral level students. Um, UT Southwestern actually has a clinical psychology doctoral program, um, and they have students that, that we get to help train, um, and also interns. And then um, we actually have a postdoctoral fellow position in our center, so she's a full-time training in training. She's finished her doctorate in psychology, but she's just doing that last bit of specialization in her training um, to be able to go out into into the world as a psychologist and and be ready to 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 work in an integrated care setting and especially with children in, in the child welfare system. Um, we also just uh, from a, a broader clinical standpoint, um, we've been, been involved in several collaboratives, national collaboratives um, with John Hopkins. We did a pediatric integrated care collaborative. And then also right now we're working with the National Child Traumatic Stress Network, which is a large art organization specializing in trauma. Um, and uh, they have helped us with our trauma-informed care model. So we actually have assessed our team, we've assessed our center, and we're always working to make improvements. So like for instance, right now, we're working on our hiring practices and how do we know that we're hiring from a trauma-informed perspective, that kind of thing, so. Great, thanks for the insight. Um, as you mentioned earlier, you, uh, you guys partner with CASA and other community uh, partners. Um, can you tell us a little bit how that works together organ organ organizationally? Sure. We love our CASAs, our court-appointed special advocates. Um, and so the CASAs actually have varying degrees of um, involvement, and it really depends on the child, depends on the family, depends on the need. Um, but uh, it's not uncommon to have CASAs come to medical visits, um, come to our integrated visits. We've had them come to therapy visits. Um, it's not uncommon to get phone calls and just, you know, more of just a consultative relationship, um, ways that we can kind of help advocate with them for the needs of the child. So we really love when our CASAs contact us because um, we can really kind of share from our perspective what our experience has been, then they can go into the courts and really advocate for the kiddos. I'll just add, Steve, that within the community, we also partner with our Family Advisory Council and then certainly with CPS, our child placing agencies, and then organizations with the community that focus on early intervention, the schools, judges, um, and then we also are part of a regional consortium of, of various stakeholders within the child welfare system. Well, how can the business community support uh, the foster care clinic? How can we how can we be supportive of you and, and, and what would you like to see from the community? Yeah, Kelly, so there's so much 
potentially like different ways to to help kids and and families involved with the child welfare system. So I think in any way that you can give either of your time or your resources. So becoming a CASA advocate is a great way to make such a huge difference in the life of a child. I think for business leaders in particular, um, opportunities to mentor youth in foster care. So things like internships, sponsorships, or scholarships, those are great ways to support our kids and teach them skills that'll help them through their career development and, and life in general. And then certainly donating to organizations that support and provide services to kids in foster care. So there's a lot of toy drives right now for kids in foster care um, throughout the year. There's always a need for just basic needs. So things like clothing, fun activities. And then if you're so inclined, we do not have enough families to care for the amount of children who enter foster care. So be like Kelly and be awesome and consider being a foster parent if you feel called to, to serve that way. And, and we are here to be supportive if you'd like to come to our center um, and we'll be part of that journey with you. What a great resource for the community. I Just personally, I grew up with uh, foster children in our house every week. Um, my parents believed in, in uh, bringing home foster children every weekend that were older and you know, 16 years old and they were still not quite adults and they didn't weren't getting placed. So uh, they, they got to spend a weekend at our house every weekend, which um, created great memories. And and um, and like you said, one will be like Kelly. So we do like to know, uh, get to know a little bit more about our guests. So two questions for each of you uh, real quick is, um, do you live in the area? And what is your favorite thing to do to get out in the community? Yeah, so um, I, I actually live in Irving. Uh, it's a great way to kind of split my time between Dallas and Plano. So I don't have a long commute for either site. Um, and then I am a very big believer, Stephen, retail therapy and food as a love language. So I am always up for shopping at Legacy West. And then there's so much food and different cuisines in Plano. Um, and for me in particular, you know, my parents are both Filipino immigrants and Jollibee, if anybody's been there. Um the closest location to me in Dallas and, and Irving is Plano. Uh, so I go there for my Filipino cravings. <laughs> and I live in Flower Mound. Um, so I do come up to the Plano area actually a good bit just specifically to come to Plano. Um, my husband's family is actually Finnish and uh, the Wooden Spoon is a Scandinavian shop in Plano. Mm -hmm. And we go there and get our goodies all the time, um, especially they have really good chocolates if you have never been there. Um, and then also um, my kids love to climb. And so we um, are actually have on our list of places to go is the Summit Gym in Plano. We haven't done that yet. So um, you may see us there. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. I mean, that I we could sit and talk about this all day if I had my way, but um, it is about all the time we have for today. Dr. Loria, Dr. Laminen, thank you both again for taking the time out of your busy schedules to join us today. I can't say enough about how important the work that you do is for the community, kids in care, foster parents and kinship parents and, and everyone that touches the village that it takes to, um, to support kids in our community. So in addition for joining us, thank you for all that you do for the community. Yes, thank you, doctors. Uh, we appreciate uh, your time today and your insight. Um, and I'm also glad to know that uh, you spend your free time in Plano. That was not pre-rehearsed <laughs> for our listeners uh, that you like to you support our businesses in Plano, and we very much appreciate that. 
And for uh, other listeners, if you'd like to support the Plano Pulse uh, podcast, please contact the Chamber of Commerce and inquire about sponsorship opportunities. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention one more time, if you're interested in supporting the foster care system or considering being a foster parent, please reach out to the Children's Advocacy Center of Collin County or a local agency that you already support. And business leaders, please do your, your best to support employees who are called to serve as foster parents or CASA volunteers. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plano Pulse. Please let us know what you think. Like, rate, share with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to tune in for our next episode. Hey, everyone. Kelly Marcellus here, your president and CEO of the Plano Chamber. Are you looking to kickstart your Friday morning with dozens of local business owners and professionals? Set your alarm and join us for our weekly business interchange meetings for networking worth waking up early for. Meetings are held at 7.30 a.m. every Friday morning. Join us and share your 30-second commercial promoting your business and be the first to hear what's going on with other local businesses. Visit planochamber.org to learn more and we'll see you next Friday. Friday.